All right, before you see it, turn to your neighbor and ask him, are you an underdog? Go ahead and be seated. Well, it's an honor to be up here tonight. Yes, I am nervous. Uh, I shouldn't be. I mean, I've done it before. I speak to the youth all the time. And I know when I come up here, it's not me, it's God. It's God's words to reach out to you. And through this whole preparation, you know, pastor asked me, he's like, hey, would you be willing to share? I'm like, sure. He's like, how much time do you need? Well, as much as you can give me. He, he let me know last Wednesday. So that was a little less time than what I would like to have. But, you know, it just proves that it was God and not me. And tonight, my first question to you is, what are your expectations? When you come to church tonight, what are you expecting? You know, Pastor Bill referred to the church campus that we do. And Laurel got us connected in with a church camp um, down in Louisville, Indiana. It's just a little bit past Indianapolis. And we've seen some amazing things happen down there in the, the youth. And when we go down there, we encourage all the leaders, the bunk leaders, and the people that are working the different areas, when they come into the service, to expect God to show up. Not to just come in just because that's what we do. You know, tonight, maybe you came to church because it's Wednesday night. And that's just what we do on Wednesday night. You come to church. Or maybe you came because, you know, you enjoy the fellowship. There's nothing wrong with that. But maybe that's why you came for. Maybe you came because you heard I was talking and you wanted to come see me. I did see both my sisters here tonight, so a little added pressure. So, but I want to encourage you tonight as I just share that you expect to hear what God has for you tonight. Come expecting. You know, we tell the kids that if you expect God to meet you here, he'll meet you here. If you expect God to meet you here, he'll meet you here. So what are your expectations? Okay, now what's God's expectations for you? Okay. <laughs> so we have to not only expect God to meet us, but then we have to do what God's expecting us to do. You know, tonight I'm going to talk about giants in our lives. Are you an underdog? And when you think of an underdog, you think of a person or a group that's expected by everybody around them to lose. They're not expected to win. If you look up on Wikipedia, underdog, it shows a picture of David and Goliath. And when you see that picture of David and Goliath, and you start to really look into it. You know, what was Goliath? You know, 1 Samuel 17, and we'll get more deep into it in a minute, but let's look at Goliath. Goliath was a champion. He'd never been beaten, obviously. In that time, you fought to the death. So if he had been beaten, he wouldn't be standing there chanting at people. If you really study Goliath you'll find that they say he was anywhere from six foot nine up to 10 foot tall. Either way you look at it, that's a very large man. I mean, he was very large in stature. He carried himself as so. He was not afraid of anybody or anyone because of his just pure size. You know, they talk about his armor and his spearhead was about 15 pounds, which was five times bigger 
than any other person out there. His armor, again, you can research it and it will argue anywhere from 126 pounds to 175 pounds, which probably at the time weighed more than David because David was just a boy. So Goliath was a very large man. Now tonight, what are the giants in your life? You know, I thought uh, Patricia was going to start preaching for me up here when she was talking about the different areas, you know, financial giants. Do we have a financial giant? Is that facing you right now? Do you have to worry about finances? You know, maybe it's health, relationships. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe they're not falling right where you want them to be or where you know God wants them to be. You know, I'm very blessed. I have four amazing boys. And I know they're all right where God wants them. Even the one that's overseas. He wonders sometimes if he's really supposed to be there, but he knows that's where God's got him. And we have to know that's where God wants him. You know, maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your job. What is that giant that's facing you right now? It can be, maybe it's emotional. Uh, you know, Goliath would come down every day for 40 days and he would taunt the men. You know, and if you picture it, they were both on top of the mountains, on top of the hillsides. So the only way to get to the other side was to go down into the valley. Well, if an army would move forward down into the valley, they would expose themselves and they'd become vulnerable. So neither army could move forward. So it was not uncommon in this time to send your best man against their best man and fight a one-on-one -on -one fight. So Goliath would come out and taunt him. Does your, does your giant taunt you? Now, me personally, one of the biggest giants in my life was a financial giant. It cost me everything except for my family. I lost my house. I lost my business. I lost everything. We filed bankruptcy. That giant was huge. We still fight that giant, but it's a different fight now. You know, he would come out and taunt them. When we were going through that bankruptcy, man, every time we met with the attorney and the people that were set over us, it was like they were taunting us. I would go out and work a second job. I would shoot weddings. And he found out that I was shooting weddings, and he wanted that $12,000 that I made that last year. Well, that $12,000 was gone, but he wanted it anyway. So they started garnishing more of my money out of my paycheck every week. It didn't matter. They just kept, you know, so that giant kept raising its head. And then it starts to roll into the giant of fear. We don't know what to do. Do you have a giant of fear? You know, Goliath, he would come out, and it says when he would come out and start to yell at them and call on them, they would all go and hide in fear. He had a reputation of winning. You know, have you seen that reputation against your giant? Every time you go against that giant, whatever it may be, 
you get knocked back down, you lose. Have you seen the reputation? You know, when he goes out, he says, am I not the Philistine? You know, he's saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. And the devil will do the same thing. If you let him, he'll get in your ear and he'll say, look at me, look at me, look at me. And I know I'm building up the giant because the whole story is about the underdog, right? And the giants in our lives, they are large. They can be intimidating. They can be fearful. You know, Goliath, he was very large. Now, I talked with Jason Mullendor, and I know some of you know who Jason is. It'll be a year this weekend. Jason was up on the lake, and he lost his leg in a boating accident. And he had a decision to make, to either sit there and face that giant and waller in self-pity and fear that he'll never walk again, never be able to play ball with his kids again, never be able to just do everyday life. Well, Tuesday night, I play softball in a church league with my boss and a group of guys. Well, that church has two teams. They have a team one and a team two. Well, Jason's on team two. He's playing second base. He's hitting the ball and running the bases. He had a choice to make. He could have very easily just sat down and said, oh, pity me. Woe is me. And so I called him the other day. I said, Jason, after our game Monday night, it just, you inspired me, man. Can I share a little bit? He's like, oh, definitely. He's like, use anything as little or as much as you can. Because he understands that it's a testimony now. What the enemy meant for harm, God's turned around and using for good. And yeah, it was a tragedy in his life, but he chose to overcome it. 1 Samuel 17, 9, it says, Goliath is yelling at him. If he is able to fight me and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects. It's possession. Does, don't let your giant possess you. You own it. It don't own you. And that's what Goliath was saying. If I beat you, then we own you. If you beat us, then you own us. Then David, you know, he was a small man. He was a teenager. And he comes up and he finds his brothers. And his brothers look at him and say, why are you here? Go away. Now, he was just there to bring him food. And he's like, go away. We don't need you. You're just here because you want to see the action. Have you ever been told that you're too old, you're too young, you're too big, you're too small, you're not smart enough? Been there, done that. But David was like, wait a minute. No. See, David was sent on an ordinary mission to take his brother's food. But God had an extraordinary plan. Okay, he had to start by doing something small, like just simply taking the food to his brothers. And maybe God's asked you to do something small, like drive a bus, 
or one of the church vans. I'm sure David would not mind a few extra hands helping him with the buses, the vans. You know, David started, right, driving the vans. That's where he got plugged in. And now, look, he's tearing it up up on the stage. You know, and but we can say, well, God, I don't want to drive the van. I don't want to work in the nursery. I want to do something great for you. Well, God says, well, start here. It's just an ordinary plan, but God's got an extraordinary plan for you. But you have to follow the small steps. You know, when we're obedient in the little things, God will be faithful in the big things. And it could be as simple as drive a church van one time a month or, you know, help Greg with the ushers one time a month. There's places to get plugged in. And what's God asking you to do? Remember we said, what are your expectations? And what is God's expectations of you? You know, maybe it is that he wants you to drive a church van or work in the nursery or work in the children's area or help with the ushers and greeters. Plenty of areas to get plugged in. Maybe it's to take somebody at work out to lunch. Maybe it's that person that you really don't like. Just because it looks small, it doesn't mean it don't have a large reward. Now, we're going to start looking into 1 Samuel 17 a little bit more. In 1 Samuel 17, 38, it says, Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him, a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened his sword around his tunic and tried to walk around because he was not used to them. He turns back to King Saul and says, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pouch of his shepherd's bag, with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. First, David had to be himself. He couldn't be what everybody else wanted him to be. You know, so many times social media can muddy the waters. We have a situation come up in our lives, and the first thing we do is we throw it on Facebook. And then everybody starts commenting. And then they're telling you, oh, you should do this, or maybe you should do this. Bottom line is, what is God saying? You know, David grabbed... Five smooth stones. And I told him in the men's breakfast that I have, you know, ADHD. So if I don't have something keeping me going, I get distracted easily. If someone over here clicks a pen, my mind's over there. Somebody over here crumples a water bottle, I'm looking that way. It don't matter what it is, I'm gone. So I need something to keep me in. So I found five smooth stones. And... These are actually Mexican pebbles is what they're called. But after researching the five smooth stones, this is not what David picked up. When he went down and he picked up five smooth stones, he picked up five stones. They say that if you research it, that they're about the size of a cue ball or a tennis ball. 
That's a pretty good-sized stone. That is not a rock. So he picks up his five stones, and we'll talk about those a little bit more later. As we move on to 41, meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked at David, looked David over, and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing in health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come with me with sticks? The Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I will give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Couple things on this one. One, this became very personal to David because it was no longer about David and Goliath because he cursed him by his gods. Now, all of a sudden, he's bringing God onto the picture. Now it becomes personal to David. And now David knows that, wait a minute, this isn't my battle no more. This battle belongs to the Lord. One thing that it catches my attention, and I'll go back to it in a minute, is it says, am I not a dog? Or are you, am I a dog that you come with me with sticks? Well, in 40, it says he had a staff. It said nothing about sticks. 45, David said to the Philistine, you come with me, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. The God of the armies of Israel whom you have defined, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. David went into battle expecting God to show up. What are your expectations when you face your giant? When you stand in front of that giant, what are your expectations? David says, I'm going to cut your head off. And he has a staff and a slingshot and five stones. He didn't even have a sword, but he was confident in who he was. He knew what God's will was. And he was expecting God to show up and meet him at a certain point. 48, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag, taking out a stone, he slung it, and slung it, stuck it in the Philistine's forehead. The stone sank into the forehead, and he fell face first onto the ground. Now, I've always loved the story of David and Goliath. But this, when I really started studying it and looking into it, it means so much more to me now. And this is just as much for me this week as it is for any of you. If you research the stone, like I said, there are large stones. But a slinger, is what they called them, could sling this stone and hit a target at over 200 yards. That was the length of a football field, two lengths of a football field. They could throw it at over 60 mile an hour, which is pretty fast for a rock to hit you at 200 yards. They said slingers could hit a bird in flight with a stone. So when David went down to fight Goliath, 
David wasn't the underdog because you had three different types of military. You had the men on horses and chariots. You had your army and just your foot soldiers. Then you had your archers and slingers. It wasn't a fair fight. David had the upper hand from the day one because David had no intentions of running down, standing toe-to-toe with the giant and swinging a sword. So when your giant is in front of you, if we go toe-to-toe with the giant, we'll lose. But if we pick up our stones and we stand away at a distance where the giant can't reach us, we'll be victorious every time. Now, I heard someone say that the closer to God you are, the smaller your giant looks. So when we get close to God and we start thinking, okay, God, what do I need to do? What are your expectations for me in this situation? We can defeat our giants because we are not the underdog in this situation. David was not the underdog. Goliath was. And every time you think about David and Goliath, you always think that David was the underdog. He wasn't the underdog. First of all, he knew who he was in Christ. We know who we are in Christ. Second of all, he had no intentions of running down on that battlefield and standing toe-to-toe with a guy that he would have to look up to, way up to, and try to swing a sword to. He was going to fight him from a distance. Now, we have five stones that I just feel that these are the five stones God's given me. Maybe you have a different one. But the first one is the Word of God. We have the word of God to our disposal. We can pick up that word and we can use it. But in order to use it, we have to be in it. We have to read it. We have to know it. It has to become first nature. When that giant raises its head and he looks at you and he says, wait a minute, you can't afford that. You're never going to amount to anything. You shouldn't do that. You have to know what the word of God says against it. You know, what is God telling you to do for your giant? You know, if it's the giant of finances, what are you doing? I got to back up. I missed a very important part of this. At the very end, David goes and he grabs a sword and he cuts off Goliath's head with his own sword. Now, scholars say that he falls face first on the ground. They really can't say whether he was dead or not but David was not taking no chances he went up he took out the sword and he fulfilled what he told Goliath he was going to do so when you're facing your giant and you get the word of God out and you hit the devil between the eyes and it falls you have to finish it so you're saying Lord I have no money Lord says pay your tithe You say, I can't afford to pay my tithe. You got to cut the giant's head off. So you start paying your tithe. Well, then the Lord tells you, well, you know what? You really can't afford to go out to eat this week after church. But you go out out to eat out anyways. You just let that giant back up. You have to do what God is telling you to do against your giant. If he says cut the head off and you can't go out to eat for a few weeks, hey, Let's take out the giant's head and let's not go out to eat. So stone one, the word of God. Stone two 
Pastor Bill talked about it, is our words. You know, Pastor Bill, this is my little book, Armed and Dangerous. Alphabetical order on different things, whatever it may be. If you want to find fear, it's in there. And I've had this book for a very long time. I've seen in it, there's a stamp in the front of it that says 2002. But our words are sharper than a two-edged sword. We have to not only know the word, but then we have to have our words to go against it. We have to know what God is telling us to do. And then we have to speak life, not death. I have a double-edged sword that the kids got me for Christmas that I've used several times when I talk about our words. Because a two-edged sword is very sharp. And in that time, it was the most powerful weapon known to man was the two-edged sword. Our words are our most powerful weapon. You know, I forgot these, so I had to call or ask Mark when he got here. Knee pads. Because our third stone's prayer. We got to get on our knees and we got to pray. And you got to say, God, what am I to do? And then when God says, I want you to give that person over there $20, and you say, Lord, it's my last $20. What are you expecting God to do when you give up your last $20? You have to get on your knees and pray and know what God's telling you to do to take off your giant's head. If it's healing, maybe God's telling you to lose 10 pounds. And if you lose that 10 pounds, God can move over here, which will move over here, which will cause in return that challenge in your health to go away. Because you were on your knees and you heard God tell you, oh, all you need to do is this. And then we have to be obedient. Now this one here is one that a very wise man talks about a lot. And I have to admit, I'm not the greatest at it, but I expect to get better at it. Pastor Bill gave me this. It's a journal. And you, if you listen to Pastor Bill, he talks about these. Seems like every week. And apparently he's trying to tell me something. Because I don't use it near enough. Okay? But the journal. We have to be able to fall back on what God is telling us. When you pray and you want to know, God, what do I need to do in this situation? And then he tells you, and then six months goes by, and that giant raises his head again. Right here's the answer. God's already told you. But if you don't write it down, you may not remember. And like I said, I've got some pages filled in this book, but not near enough, especially as long as I've had this thing. So Pastor Bill, I will try to write more in my journal. Okay? And the fifth one is media. With technology these days, it's so easy. We have our CDs here at the church. We almost all have smartphones. You can get on your smartphone and you can look up just about anything. You can listen to just about anything. What are you putting in? Are you down? Are you depressed? What's that music you're listening to? Maybe you need a pick-me-up. So 
get on a, the one of the iPod. You can go onto the podcast and find, you know, messages about just about everything. If you look up David and Goliath, there's a thousand different messages on David and Goliath. If you look up fear, you'll find all kinds of things about fear. So when that giant raises its head against you and you don't know what to do and you're on your knees and you're praying and God's showing you the scripture to speak over it and on the way to work, instead of listening to the country station or Z96 or whatever it may be, maybe you stick in a CD from Pastor Bill's message on Sunday, The Power of Our Words, and you listen to it and you listen to it, and you listen to it until without even thinking, you just say it, and you know it. So tonight, those are my five stones. Now, maybe when you get in prayer and you start asking God, what are my five stones I need to pick up? Maybe he'll show you a different one. But those five stones right there are powerful stones. I'm not saying they're the only ones. But if you stop and you get in the word of God and you watch what you're saying and you're praying and asking God on your knees, God, what do I need to do in this situation? You're writing it down. And then whenever you get a little bit discouraged, you listen to some pick me up. And it takes you right back to the beginning again. And you say, okay, Goliath, let's go. You know, Pastor Chris got all wound up here tonight talking about victory and being victorious. I thought she was going to run off with my message. Okay, it's, we got to get excited because we're not an underdog. God has set us on top. We are victorious. And without a shadow of a doubt, we can beat the giant every time in our life. As long as we know and we understand what the giant is. Now, back in the very beginning, we talked a little bit about where it says, you come with me with sticks. And me and my wife talked about this, and she said, are you discrediting the miracle? And I said, no, I'm going to discredit the giant. They say that in very large people, even from that time all the way up through current people, when they get real tall like that, it's because of a tumor on their brain, and it gives them double vision and near vision or near sight. You know, it says Goliath was led onto the battlefield. He yells at David and says, come to me. And he sees two sticks. The bottom line is sometimes when we look at a situation, it's not what it seems. Goliath wasn't what he seemed. Yeah, he had a reputation, but that reputation was built on false pretenses because yeah, he was big and strong, but he couldn't see you until you got right up toe-to-toe -to, -toe to him. So he never even seen what David was even doing until he was on his face before God, getting ready to get his head cut off. So tonight, I ask you, what are the giants in your lives? It's, it can be anything. I know I've got them. I've got giants that I face every day. And we don't have to let those giants dictate who we are. We get to dictate to the giants who we are. You know, before they went to the promised land, the spies came back and said, it's full of giants. Are you ready to go into the promised land? If you are, be ready for some giants. 
if you're ready for your next level, your next blessing, there will be giants to face. But when we face those giants, we can all understand that we are not an underdog against that giant. We've been called for such a time as this. And God has equipped us and he set us apart so that we can stand up and we can take out those giants. So tonight, in closing, I want to pray. If you have a giant in your life that you're facing and you want to look and say, Lord, I need your help. It's going to be between you and the Lord. We'll open up the altar down here and you can come down and I'll pray with you. But stop and think about it. What is it? John, you want to come on up for me, bud? So I'm going to ask everybody to go ahead and stand. And if you have a giant in your life and you want prayer, come on down and I'll pray over it. Because the Lord says we are victorious. And we can stand and face those giants and know that we will be victorious in the end. So right now, I'm going to pray and then I'll pray for each individual. But Lord, we just thank you that you have set us apart. Father, I ask that you show each individual in this place, Father. Show them the giants in their lives. Whether it's the giant from alcoholism to finances to relationships to emotions, whatever that giant may be, Father. Speak to them. Show them the stones that they need to pick up and sling back at that Goliath so they can be victorious. Father, I speak wisdom and knowledge into every situation, Father. We just thank you that you are more than capable, more than faithful, more than faithful, Father. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.